Welcome to the fifth episode of the Wise of STEM podcast, a podcast initiative all about advancing the conversation around diversity and inclusion in STEM. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. My name is Helen, and my pronouns are she and her. I'm the Wisest Outreach Coordinator, and I'll be your host for this episode. When we first started the podcast, in our introduction episode, I started with a land acknowledgement, and I think as we're now into year two of the pandemic, I really wanted to lead this episode with good intentions. Though we found new meaning in how we connect, meeting virtually gives me this imagery of, you know, existing in cloud space, which sounds more poetic than it feels. I feel like there's this chasm we're trying to connect. So double time during COVID times, really, we're trying to connect land and people. So to start off this episode, I wanted to invite our guest today, Nicole Baker, a Wise Summer Research Program alumna of 2009 and a member of the Watney family of Red Pheasant Cree Nation to lead us in a land acknowledgement to start us off in a good way. Thank you, Helen. So I'm joining you here today from the city of Edmonton, located on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional gathering place of diverse Indigenous people, including the Cree Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Soto, Anishinaabe, and Inuit peoples, and many others whose histories, language, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. As we share stories virtually today, may we honor those that have gone before us and remember that on this land, Indigenous communities have and continue to share stories of culture and celebration. Let us give thanks for the opportunity to do the same today. Hi, hi, miigwech, and ishnish. Thank you, Nicole. So I first met Nicole last year at our first virtual set conference, which is a conference for high school girls and gender non-conforming students. And Nicole shared with us her story about how she participated in the summer research program and how that led her to what she's doing now. All I could think of during that call was, I'd love for our students to hear Nicole's story. So I'm super excited to be joined by Nicole in this episode. Nicole actually completed a Bachelor of Arts in Native Studies at the University of Alberta, which, by the way, University of Alberta is home to the only faculty of Native Studies in North America. And she also recently completed a Certificate of Project Leadership at NATE, which is the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. Nicole now works as the Indigenous Business Relations Coordinator with Bird Construction Limited. So without further ado, welcome, Nicole. Thank you. So thank you for that introduction. I just want to share a little more personal things about myself. I am Niheo Iskweo, which means Cree woman from Red Pheasant Cree Nation, which is located near North Battleford, Saskatchewan. My mother is First Nation and my father is third generation Ukrainian. So I'm of mixed ancestry. I did not grow up in my First Nation community, although we would travel and visit and go to powwows and that when I was younger, but I was born and raised in Edmonton. So Edmonton has always been my home and where I grew up. So having those connections with my First Nation culture was really tough growing up and then has been something that I've been sort of rediscovering as I started post-secondary and into my early adulthood. 
I now have an eight-year-old daughter that lives with me. I have a partner, two stepchildren, and a cat named Luna. So we have a great little family cohort together. I love doing outdoor activities like hiking, camping, snowboarding, and just being out with nature in any way. I also like playing sports and trying new things. Uh, I would consider myself a lifelong learner and never afraid to try something new. I love that. Having spoken to you a couple of times, it's very clear that you're definitely committed to that lifelong learning. As I mentioned before, you're now currently working as the Indigenous Business Relations Coordinator at BIRD. So to start us off, can you tell me a bit about what it is that you do? So BIRD is a major construction company that specializes in new construction builds and recently merged with another company, Stuart Olson, to do more maintenance. So it's very industrial focus, a lot of trades opportunities, a lot of engineering. There's just a whole variety of different roles within the company in helping build different things across the country. Actually, it's a large employer with over 5,000 employees in Canada. So my role at BIRD is to help coordinate the engagement activities that go on with Indigenous communities. So I help to develop the relationships that will help improve the Indigenous participation in our projects by building those strong relationships. I also support initiatives and activities that ensure BIRD's Indigenous engagement policy is being effectively implemented within the organization, including things like the Indigenous awareness training for employees, community engagement sessions and activities, providing scholarship opportunities to Indigenous students, business development, like working with subcontractors and band-owned businesses, and increasing the Indigenous employment and retention with our own workforce at BIRD. So as I mentioned before, you're a WISA Summer Research Program alumna. Can you tell us a bit about how you got involved with the program? Definitely. So it started when I was in grade 11. My chemistry teacher told me about the summer research program at Wisest, and I didn't think I was good enough for the program, to be honest. But my teacher insisted that I should apply, that I had the marks to do it, and that I was kind of a go-getter. She kind of saw in me what I didn't see myself, and she just kept encouraging me that I would be a great candidate. So finally I did. She gave me the push that I needed to fill out the application and go for the opportunity, and I was accepted into the program. Yeah, I mean, having heard your career journey, it kind of took you into this different path that you probably never imagined yourself going down. And it's nice to know that when you have a teacher who is like your biggest cheerleader, that they're going to push you into places that maybe you don't feel as comfortable entering into, but you're so thankful in hindsight that they were your cheerleader and that they helped you get past that hurdle of feeling like, oh man, I don't know if I want to do that. (laughs) So I'm glad that your teacher did that for you. Can you tell us about what your summer research program project was like and what you actually were involved with? Yeah, so I was placed in an environmental engineering lab because I had indicated on my application that I was considering engineering as a career path and was still kind of trying to figure out where I wanted to go and what was the difference between engineering and science. So I wanted to learn more about that field and I was placed in that opportunity. I was working on understanding the effects of nephitic acids in tailings ponds water in Fort McMurray in oil sands projects. So we were trying to help develop a solution for restoring and recovering the water systems that were actually unable to sustain life now because of the acidic content within those tailings ponds. 
and they're having a huge environmental impact on the ecosystem there. Of course, we don't want to leave things damaged. And so it was really close to my heart to work on a project that was helping restore that land back and help bring it back to a good nature state, basically. So we were working with soils and vegetation to help improve that water quality through a lot of different research methods, collecting data, all that stuff. It was super exciting. And that led me actually to another summer research opportunity with another lab on campus with the Faculty of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences in a soil biogeochemistry lab. So because it was very similar in the project nature. When I had started my undergrad at university, I was at another Wisest event and I was networking with people there. And then I met a graduate student and a professor who were looking for some extra help within their research lab. And I told them about my experience with the SRP program. And that had kind of provided me a foot in the door to do some more work in that area, in that field. Yeah, that's really awesome. So were you aware of everything, you know, about oil sands and tailings ponds or how did you get up to speed about all of those things as a grade 11 student? I mean, I don't think I knew too much about that as a grade 11 student myself. Um, I didn't know a lot just because I hadn't lived in Fort McMurray. I think those that are from there have a connection there are a lot more aware of it. Um, But in the summer research program, you learn so much within the time that you're there over the summer. So it was a lot of the people that I was working with, the graduate students and the professors and the other summer students, we were all learning together and they were getting us up to speed really quickly, but all in that science focus, which was really, really interesting. But right away, I saw that there was a need for incorporating more Indigenous knowledge and wisdom within the industry projects. I was learning a lot of the Western science, which was great. That's what I had signed up for and was interested in. But I also felt like there was space and opportunity to involve the Indigenous knowledge, especially up in the region, if we're going to be working on reclaiming the land and restoring it to what it once was, or at least close to that, then we should be talking to the Indigenous communities and the elders and getting their perspective in those projects. Yeah, I love that perspective. And I think that all too often, we don't consider that a huge knowledge base, unfortunately, in this society. And I think that when we talk about equity, diversity and inclusion in STEM, so much of it is how do we include different perspectives, because we all have value in our perspectives, right? And you brought such a great perspective to that project. And I have to say, because right now we're still accepting summer research program applications. I know that a lot of students look at some of the past projects and they get intimidated because they're like, I have no idea what this topic is about. I don't know how I'm going to get up to speed. I don't know if I can contribute to it. But as you said, you know, you have supportive mentors and supportive scientists that are there helping you get you up to speed and really trusting you with that material to be a part of collecting data and to be a part of presenting that data as well. So a very, very good experience for grade 11 students. So What can you say is your favorite memory from the summer research program? Well, there are so many great experiences while I was in the summer research program from like team building activities where we built 
a parachute for an egg, like just fun science stuff and getting to know each other and all the other students. You're definitely not alone throughout the activities. You may do some of your project alone and the research, but throughout the whole time, you are connecting with other students and building this great network on campus. There was also so many great guest speakers. There was tours onto other labs. There was continuous learning and exposure to the different careers and what other students were working on different projects. So for me, it's hard to pick just one, but I think the most kind of memorable or impactful one for me was there's like the celebration of research at the end and you get to present your project to everybody else. And that was really empowering for me. I was empowered by other women in the field. I was like fascinated by how many other women were in the sciences and I was not the only Indigenous student. There was also other Indigenous participants. And so when I was able to present my research and everything that I'd learned and put it on a poster, it was the first time that my input and ideas were being valued within the team. And that kind of made me realize that I can be a contributing member to whatever I decide to do. So it helped me to overcome any fears that I had about speaking up because anytime I did share my perspectives, it was always so welcomed and embraced and valued. So I started seeing my potential as a leader and a contributor. And it gave me this great sense of accomplishment at the end of the program when you're able to present your project to everybody and just look over the whole summer, how much you had learned and how much you had grown just in such a short time. So you see all of those things coming through at the end, and then you get so excited about where your future can go from there. Mm -hmm. And as I speak with you today, I can see how you embody so much of what we try to instill in our students in the summer research program. You know, the confidence in knowing yourself and in your abilities, but also the confidence in knowing that you can succeed wherever you go. Now, having spoken to you before, I think what comes out really loud and clear is how your passions have driven a lot of your decisions. Can you talk a bit about that and where your passions have led you? So I've always wanted a fulfilling job. I always knew that, that I wanted to feel good about what I was doing and wanted to have that feeling that I'm contributing to something greater in our community and our society. So whether it's speaking to students at a WISIS event or if I was going to a culture camp with an Indigenous community or even speaking to a, a group of adults at a conference, I gained the sense of excitement knowing that someone may be impacted by my own story or what I'm contributing. So whether it's inspiring somebody or somebody can relate to my story, I know that it is having an impact. It may not be a large change overnight or anything, but having those small positive influences on others has really driven me to continue. I think I drew into more of the employment and training aspects because you were able to see people succeed very quickly. I got really excited anytime I got to see somebody graduate, gain a job, seeing myself where I went from a timid, sort of shy person to speaking to large events, <laughs> like seeing that change within individuals that I sort of went through has always been this huge spark of passion for me that just fills my cup. I think at the end of the day, when I get to see somebody be successful. I love that. And it really sounds like you're so community minded and community driven. And I think that 
that's what I get from learning about Indigenous cultures is that there is this huge value in community. And I think you've really taken that and infused that into the work you do and just your being as a whole. So I guess my next question is, you know, how does Indigenous ways of knowing play a role in what you do? So I've heard this before, some pieces of wisdom from other Indigenous people was that sometimes you can have a greater impact on the outside of your community than within it. And that really spoke to me because sometimes I felt like I should be in a community or with my Indigenous people to impact change, but I felt like I was having a a larger good within the organization that I was at. And so I realized you can actually be a champion for change wherever you are, whether it's inside your community, outside, in a corporation, wherever it is. And that's what sort of led me into feeling okay about where I was. I didn't have to be directly in an Indigenous community in order to help create change for that Indigenous community. Some people talk about walking into worlds. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I've heard it many Mm -hmm. times about these two separate worlds, such as the Indigenous and the non-Indigenous world, but I've never really seen it as separate worlds because I myself, I'm both Indigenous and I'm Ukrainian, but that doesn't make me two separate people, right? Mm -hmm. So I often felt that I could be part of different organizations and sort of be an intermediary between different groups. So when it comes to like government relations or developing business relations where I am now with Bird, there is still a bit of a maybe us versus them mentality sometimes with Indigenous communities. And that's just simply because Indigenous communities want to maintain their sovereignty and they don't want to become homogenous, of course. Or there could be some long-lasting legacies or hurt feelings over the generational impacts and the fractured relationship that Indigenous communities have had with government. So that's a huge challenge that I see is, is breaking down the barriers of that stigma or that colonial legacy that's been left behind now. So I've always seen that as a challenge that may divide us due to having opposite perspectives of the same thing. But I always have tried to focus on the shared goals and the shared outcomes that we can all work towards. So that's where I think I shine the most is when I can help create some of the win-win situations where everyone is benefiting collectively by tackling a challenge by all different perspectives in different areas and that there's no winners or losers or us versus them. It's just creating this great collaboration among the partners to create an overall success for everyone. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. I really admire your pursuit of togetherness, of shared values, shared outcomes, and of unity. I want to give you the opportunity to talk specifically to our Indigenous youth, who are likely navigating some of the same challenges you face that ultimately led you to this time in your life, being able to use your skills and your expertise in making change in your community. What would you like them to know? So I'm going to reflect back on my time when I was at an undergrad student. I actually was avoiding going into Native studies because I was afraid of some of the stereotypes that people thought less of the subject. I would get these comments like, oh, is that a Native program? I was like, no, it's the regular science program. (laughs) Or like, oh, did you get accepted because the university needs more Indigenous people in their numbers? Something like that. So I really struggled with trying to feel accepted and that I had earned my spot at the university. So anytime that there was a Native course, like or an Indigenous subject matter, I tried to avoid it because I was like, 
I don't want to be a native person in a native program just because I'm native. Like I want to be passionate about what I'm doing and I don't want people to think that I'm fitting into a box, I guess, in some way. But I ended up taking an English class. I chose to take one that had a focus on Indigenous literature. It was amazing. I just felt so connected to the content. It was helping me learn that culture that I may have been missing. So I also struggled with loving it so much, but also still loving science as well. And I was looking for a connection there within the Western science too, just because it wasn't as infused. There wasn't like an Indigenous science course per se. But I came across a book that was called Blackfoot Physics by David Peet. And he's a theoretical physicist who was very influenced by the linear Western science, but then he became fascinated with the Indigenous ways of knowledge when he went to a Sundance ceremony. So throughout the book, he finds all these connections in Indigenous culture and wisdom that modern science is just now sort of discovering. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that book made me realize that I'm not abandoning my culture by learning science. And it was like giving me permission to learn the science because there is so much science infused within Indigenous culture. So it's about utilizing both the Western practices and personal data. We don't have to see them as completely separate. We can find ways to marry them together to create more informed decision-making practices. So I may not be like a CEO of a company or a chief of a community, but I feel like I can still make a difference in my role, no matter how small or big that may be. And all of our efforts will accumulate to a larger change in our society. So don't feel like you're the only person doing this or that you're only one person and you can't make a change because no positive actions are too big or too small. We all need to continuously keep improving and learning from one another so that we can prosper together. I love that. I love all of that. I think you hit on some really important points there that there's no single person who's going to bring about change on a grand level by themselves, but that each of our own actions contributes to a larger movement of valuing diversity and inclusion, of reconciliation, and of community building. So that leads me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is this sort of awakening in this generation around what it means to be an ally. And for those of you who don't know, an ally is someone who sides with or supports a particular person, group, or cause. And so for our non-Indigenous listeners, what would you like to share about how they can be better allies for the Indigenous community? What would your advice be to them? So the first thing I would say that you can start doing right away is being mindful of the words that you use because words and language and how we say things can come across as insensitive without meaning to. I totally understand that there's some common phrases and things that we use that for an Indigenous person may actually, you know, rub them the wrong way or come off as insincere. So because what we say is somewhat subjective and is influenced by our own past and our biases and our experiences, the use of those words can invoke very different feelings for different people. And I think I've kind of reiterated throughout the whole topic today to try not to enforce your own opinions onto others and to not sort of defend something, simply listen. So to fully listen is not only to listen with your ears, but with your heart and your mind. In Indigenous cultures, we have the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual beings of ourselves that make up us as a whole. So 
we must not only listen in the physical sense, but we also need to use the other aspects to truly attempt to understand others. So value everyone's perspective. So not everything needs a response. Not everything needs to be rebuttaled or debated. So we often like to honor everybody's thoughts and perspectives equally within our communities, such as in talking circles and ceremonies. Everybody shares as much or as little as they need to. And we honor that, that whatever is being shared and whatever was said was meant to be shared and we don't respond or challenge them and everyone's input is equally respected and heard no matter how long that takes <laughs> so that that's definitely tough especially in the industry that I work in where timelines are tight you have different schedules you have so many competing priorities to be working on but I never compromise on giving people the time to share their perspectives and that goes a long way in any role that anyone works on. Mm-hmm. That's very, very valuable. And I think for a lot of our um, students who are listening, these are, uh, this is advice that you can take into, you know, being a grade 11 student, being a grade eight student in, in, you know, um, listening to your peers. But I think also it's great advice for um, when you enter into that workforce, when you start taking roles where um, you are in positions of power and authority um, to keep these things in mind, because um, that is so important. That's really at the heart of what equity, diversity and inclusion is about, is hearing people out, giving that space um, for differences in perspectives. And and I love what you said. It's not about responding or rebutting, um, but of listening with, with all of of your being. Um, so thanks for sharing that. So we're going to wrap things up here. Um, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self a piece of advice, um, you know, maybe your grade 11 self entering into summer research program, or even before that, you know, what would it be? It'd be to stop doubting myself. Being of mixed race and growing up in an urban center away from my reserve or my community, I've always kind of felt like I didn't quite belong. And that was kind of enhanced when I went to the university. I felt very out of place. And sometimes I even felt like a fraud. I was like, am I really supposed to be here? Is this what I'm meant to be doing? So I was constantly doubting my own abilities. And I didn't see very many other Indigenous people in science. And it felt like I should have been somewhere else. So I wish if I could go back and tell myself like, no, you belong, you, you deserve to be here and you've earned it and just follow your path and trust the process of your learning and follow that passion because it'll lead you to great things. Wish I would have known that in hindsight, but I started figuring it out as I got older. It's, it's just how I felt at the time. So I wish I would have reached out more to other supports while I was at the university. So I might have felt more connected had I had went to the Indigenous Student Centre or if I had joined like a study group and created that sense of belonging that I was missing in myself. So I would encourage anyone who may be scared about taking that leap into a new challenge and a new experience to seek out friendships and connections, volunteer, just become part of the community because you do belong and you have every right to be there. I love that piece of advice. I think a lot of students struggle with that when they're younger, they just don't feel like they belong. But from 
something that you felt insecure about, the lack of belonging, you've really infused that in what you do now because you're creating belonging for people. And I think that's so powerful to see. And I'd love to know, what are you most proud of? Having done all of these different things, you have navigated so many different jobs and experiences. What is it that you're most proud of? I'm most proud of my daughter, actually, and how proud she is to be Indigenous. She happily tells everyone she can that she's Cree. (laughs) And that's a very different experience than I had as a child. Like I had said, I didn't feel like I totally belonged. I was very shy and scared to tell people that I was Indigenous. Whereas my daughter, she (laughs) she is so excited to share her culture and teach others about it. She's the first one to jump up and talk about being Indigenous and participating in any activities that involve that. So I was definitely picked on some Sometimes for being a minority while I was in the city, but she's always sharing the culture. So she's never scared of who she is and sharing that with others. So it's encouraging to see how our society is improving and how learning to be more tolerant and accepting of others. I mean, my daughter has never really experienced a lot of negative backlash for being Aboriginal, which is a great move in the right direction. And it just speaks to how much progress we've made as a society. So that's how I see true reconciliation moving forward. And I'm really hopeful for our future in this country as we all take this journey together in this path towards shared success and celebrating the diversity within our communities. That is so wonderful. You know, I have this imagery of your daughter just feeling whole and being able to claim that space and proclaiming her identity and how wonderful that is to feel probably as a parent. I'm not a parent myself, but I would imagine that's what I would be really proud of as well. So thank you for sharing that. I know I've learned so much just from the short amount of time that I've spent chatting with you. And I really hope that our listeners take to heart some of the things that you've said and And I think really to emphasize that there's so much heart in everything that you've shared and everything that you do. And I'm just so privileged and honored to be able to have this time and space with you to share your story. And hopefully that inspires some of our youth out there who are struggling to see, you know, where they belong and what they want to pursue. But they should take from your story that it doesn't have to be linear. You don't have to have everything figured out. And that if you follow your passions, it'll lead you somewhere that you can really carve out the things that you want to do, the place that you want to be, the narrative that you want to create, right? So thanks for sharing that, Nicole. Very, very inspirational, very powerful. I hope that through this episode, our listeners were able to learn something new. We'd love it if you could share this episode with one other person. Make sure to stay in the know about the Wisest STEM podcast by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to stay updated on programs that Wises offers, consider subscribing to our monthly e-newsletter or following us on social media. You can find all that information in the description. That's it for now. Tune into our next episode, which will be released in May.